Go ahead. Silver Cross Subbury proudly serves Subbury, North Bay, Elliott Lake, Sturgeon Falls, Espanola, and the Manitoulin Island District, making a difference in our clients' lives and providing solutions to help them with their health care needs is our priority. And that's a little message from Dean and Chantal Jacqueline, who are the owners of Silver Cross Subbury. They sell the following products. Stair lifts, curved stair lifts, porch lifts, deck lifts, ceiling lifts, wheelchair lifts, just to name a few. Silver Cross Subbury provides also the following services. Free and home assessments, installation, service for stair lifts, wheelchair lifts, and other mobility equipment. Contact Dean Chantel Jacklin for any healthcare need by phone at 705-222-0700. That is 705-222-0700. Or check them out on their website or on their Facebook page. Great people and family, but more importantly, the best people for what they do. Seems as though I've lived my life on the bad side of the moon To stir your drags and sickness still without a rustic spoon Now come on people, live with me where the light has never shone And the hornets flock like hummingbirds speaking in a foreign tongue Isn't my life, isn't my life, isn't my life, my life Ladies and gentlemen, here we are. What's going on? The boys are back. Episode 8 of Behind the Bench. Welcome again. Thank you for coming along the ride. It's been a fun ride so far. Already eight episodes in and uh, we're going strong. We're going to send it over to co-host Tommy Blahos. How's it going, bud? Doing great. Um, We're actually recording on a Monday, so Tommy's week has been starting off on the right foot. I uh, had a nice little gym session this morning. Body's feeling great. I feel like I'm uh, 15 again. Just, uh, you know, the muscle aches after a nice workout. But uh, as people say, you start off your day with a nice workout to make your body feel good. And then uh, I decided to go buy a TV for my dad for an early Christmas gift. He's going to be listening to this tomorrow. And he's going to come home tonight, actually, from work and see a new TV downstairs. So a little bit annoying, though. I wanted to bring it up. It's like you spend all this fucking money and, you know, you, you plug everything in and you get, you get all excited. And the first moment you turn the TV on, the fucking picture isn't that good, Al. Like, it, it's, uh, you think I'm probably going bananas and it's, I'm just thinking way too hard about this. But uh, after this uh, recording here, I'm going to go, you know, call Eastlink and get on the converter to see what the hell's wrong. I tried every different picture setting and all that shit. So, um, but other than that, I'm excited. I'm excited to play some Xbox on that thing. And uh, it's been a good day. And it was a great weekend. So looking forward to school, obviously, ending next week for me. Uh, how was your week besides, uh, we're going to get into it, besides the, the votes that uh, we had? Well, first off, let me say what what a rant. I think we got to start know. doing Monday afternoons because, wow, that was nuts. You sound, like a, you sound like someone who doesn't know how to work with the technology you, you sound like Ollie sometimes. Uh, you should have seen Themis. He, I grab, I gave him the screw, screwdriver, and he's like, uh, "Oh, you fucking do it! I don't know how to do this." <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> you can, you can tell uh, he's a banker and not any uh, tech stuff, you know. So he didn't know how to put the screw in for the pegs. So, well, hopefully you guys figure it out. I hope the picture uh, gets better. Um, because we get the same TV and we've been buzzing it lately. Same so hopefully, TV. Maybe yeah. that's an Eastlink problem. You're gonna have to go check that out. Um, okay. Uh, my week's been good, Tom. 
Um, started off good. School's coming to an end, ready to get the break going, ready to, uh, you know, hang out, relax, and be nice. Um, and we'll send it over to producer Mason Savage. Savvy, how's it going, brother? Hey, boys. Life's not too bad. Uh, officially eliminated from every single one of my fantasy football playoffs. Uh, but on the bright side, the, the lake is frozen. That is correct. Black Lake is frozen. The rink will soon be made. Uh, not sure how thick the ice is, but uh, we're going to get August Jarecki out here to uh, come tell us if it's safe or not. But yeah, really looking forward to the Ben Leeson interview. Uh, the guy set us up for success, uh, put us on the front page of the Sudbury Star. I think I'm the first savage to be covering the uh, Sudbury Star since probably Bry did it maybe in the 90s. So uh, that was a big family moment for us. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll toss it back to you guys. Let's get this interview out. Awesome. Good to hear, buddy. Um, glad to hear that. Tom? Yeah, um, you got a little early Christmas gift. We didn't talk about it last podcast. You got a nice what, iPhone 12 there. Hey, yeah, I know yeah, the, uh, the FaceTime quality. 12. Yeah, I had the uh, iPhone 8 for a while. It was all smashed up. Um, but we uh, finally we changed providers, and with that comes a new phone. So, been buzzing iPhone 12. It's great, uh, great camera quality. It's great for uh, the golden hour when you you know the sun's shining, you're looking good, and you're posting selfies on Insta. That's that's what it's all about. iPhone 12. The girls uh, must love your Snap game, man. That's awesome. I that's listen. Golden hour is almost at at any time. You just have to have good lighting with the, the iPhone 12. Let's move on, Tom. Okay. This is big news. Uh, the match is starting to pick up a little bit. We threw a vote out to uh, Instagram. We wanted to see what people thought about who, who would win the match between me and Tom. And uh, wow, did it ever come down to the wire. Votes were 48 to 47 in favor of your boy Alex Chimino winning the match. So the odds are tight, tight. Tom, I want to get your immediate thoughts on what happened. Okay, well, first of all, when you texted me to do this, I agreed upon it, right? And then I checked the votes, I guess, I don't know, the first hour in, and you are just destroying me. I think it was like 20 to 5. I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm and and <laughs> one of those five being you, yourself. <laughs> yeah, you you saw I voted for myself. Eh? Yeah, bet on yourself, Al. That's all it is. No, um, well, I don't know. The people, because me and you can see, right, who voted, so. I'm not going to call anybody out. I'm not going to be that guy, but I know, I know who voted against me and it's okay. I'm still waiting for those, uh, as Donald Trump says, right? The mail-in ballots. I'm still, I'm still waiting for some to come in. So we're sitting there and I'm, and I'm up by about 10 votes feeling good. And as we head into the late (laughs) hours of the night, I, I go to bed with a comfortable, I would say 15 vote lead feeling good. Uh, wake up in the morning and it was like Michigan all over again. The vote was closely getting flipped. We actually, Tom took the lead at one point and then it was, yeah, well, you went, you went to bed and you, you went to bed and I went back on the phones and started working. I said, this isn't exactly. He's getting a mail. No yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, Hey, I mean, I'm not going to call anybody out. Like I said, but I have to call out one person, a good friend. Uh, and he's going to be a guest on the show. Rhino bonds a good friend of our group, right? Voted for you. And, uh, every other one, every other one of our friends decided to, you know, to opt out. So we don't, uh, start any blood well no no, blood. no 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 matt Ooh. matheson don't think oh, I, oh I wonder i wonder why he's gonna be your caddy i know it. you don't want to say it i know he's gonna be your caddy. <laughs> i'm not saying shit i'm not exactly saying shit. tom because the only won't. guy the only guy that you don't want on my bag it might be my caddy so it's okay 
Well, exactly. You gotta get underneath your I'm, skin. I'm I don't know who it's gonna be. And it's about who's. Oh, who's it could swinging. be my brother too. Who knows? Who who's swinging the club? But that's what it's all, what it's yeah. all about. But listen, people, the people that voted for me, listen, the support is much appreciated. The job is close from not even close from being done. We gotta get it done, and the support is huge for everyone that voted against me. And I know who you are. I'm gonna have to prove you wrong, and uh, hopefully, I get that done because uh, I was shocked at some of the people that voted against me. Tom. Um, everybody that voted yes for you is all the South End population. So I, I, I'm not even close to that area of the oh, city. Not even so, again, excuses machine. Come on, Tom. Come on. Yeah. No, no, that's not any excuses. You but you probably you you went knocking on everyone's door saying, you know what? Do you have oh, Instagram? Okay, like you went to like sixty-five ballots, Tom. Yeah, yeah. Listen. My listen, own girlfriend voted for you, Al. So hey, that's what it's all let's, about. Let's just move he it on. He knows here, what's okay? going on. Shout out to Kaylee LaPonce. She's averaging a shout out, I think, a podcast, an episode. Well done. She knows what's going on. Um, so listen, but we can agree that this is going to be a tight match just from yeah. way, the way the vote looked. Yeah, I'm One excited. vote separated it. it it's going to, well, two votes, not counting your own vote for yourself. Oh, huh? I got one more thing. One more thing. Also, I might need to find a new podcast because Mason voted for you. Like, how come he can't just he, he he doesn't even want to stay stay out of it? Like, that's my guy. He knows. He knows. I was his ID cup partner. No, Tom. It's all good. Listen. I feel like anything I text in the group chat now is just like listen, irrelevant Tom. because he's not even listening. It's he's all like, good. Nope, Al's my it's guy. It's going to be a tight match. The votes are tight, and it's going to be a fun time. And I can't wait. To yeah, get on the I'm golf excited. course against you, it's gonna excited. be fun. Okay, I'm let's excited. move on from from uh, the jabs here, Tom. Uh, I know you want to talk about this NHL divisions. Uh, what's going on? Looks like there's going to be a January 13th start for the NHL. Little divisional change too, Tom. You want to read it out? Yeah. So a little tweet from Pierre LeBron. Uh, he said, "Not finalized yet, and still subject to change." But the 2020-2021 four division realignment currently looks like this, according to sources. So let me just read you the teams here. Al, obviously all Canadian. We're gonna get into that a little bit. I want to get your yeah. thoughts. And then uh, one division is Boston, Buffalo, New Jersey, the Islanders, the Rangers, Philly, Penguins, and Capitals. So pretty strong division there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carolina, Chicago, Columbus, Detroit, Florida, Minnesota, Nashville, Tampa. That's a good one. And this is like no, no, listen to this one, okay? Anaheim, Arizona, Colorado, Dallas, L.A., the Sharks, St. Louis, Vegas. Wow, so, that's loaded. Sure Vegas, St. Louis, Colorado. Those three teams. In the yeah, season. that's loaded. And yeah. then the all-Canadian so, division. All-Canadian division. Sick. So I like, like, it's going to look cool. Yeah, out. what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think, obviously, there's a lot of problems with getting over the border right now. So it looks like this mm-hmm. is the only way they're going to be able to do it, which right. I think is fine. I think it's going to, it's obviously going to be different. Um, and I think that, you know, a, a short season, it's going to be balls to the wall the entire time. You know, not much time for load management or any any people taking time off. So it's going to be a wicked NHL season. I'm excited to see the All-Canadian Division too. We're going to see a bunch of Battle of Alberta, Toronto Habs. It's going to be a fun season to watch. And um, I'm sure, obviously, they'll change the divisions once this whole COVID BS stops, but it's going to be fun to, to witness this for uh, at least one season. Thoughts? Any- don't, I don't, I don't know what they're doing for playoff format yet. I was hearing maybe 
top two. I don't. I don't even know. I've actually that no would clue. be weird. Yeah, it, it's actually weird. Um, I was listening to Chicklets actually the other day, and they're suggesting doing sixteen teams, like the best sixteen teams play. Uh, then, I like that then, idea too. Yeah, I like that idea too. But then the whole travel stuff, right? You could have like the least. You playing, might have like, the bubble L- again, or you know, like yeah. So yeah, it's, it's I mean that that'd be pretty sick because there's no east west conflict, right? Like you can yeah. have like I said, Toronto play like Los Angeles in the first round or something. That that'd be cool. Yeah, it's just the the hard part is these guys are all going to be playing like what six to six to eight teams the entire year. Yeah, the same guys. Right. So and then you get into the playoffs, you're gonna might not be playing someone that you've you know played against before, which is going to be mm-hmm. interesting to see for the playoff, and then. We'll see. Hopefully, 56 games later, you know, we're living in a world where, you, you know, you can travel a little bit more, um, you know, with COVID hopefully uh, stopping soon. Um, and, and we're heading that way. And we'll segue into it right now. Um, vaccines are in. Vaccines are in, Tom, earlier than we thought. They've landed mm. in Canada. There's been the first uh, landing in Hamilton for Ontario. I don't know how many vaccines they rolled in, but they're starting to come in yeah. slowly but surely, and I'm and I'm really happy about that. Yeah, there's not much thought. Like maybe we're actually gonna have hopefully a normal summer. Um, I know my grandma's coming home this weekend from Greece, from the motherland. I don't think she's gonna get the vaccine there, but there was discussion with her airline, whatever, if she wanted it. The, I don't know what's going on. My parents yeah. deal with that shit, but. Um, I know that I'm going to be in quarantine for at least five days until she gets her test and obviously her results get back negative, negative before I'm doing anything, but it's exciting. Like, obviously we won't get it out anytime soon. I don't think um, yeah. it'll be like the frontline workers and all the other yeah, people we, first. We might not ever get it too. So we might not ever get it too. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, that's, it's great positive news before the, uh, this shitty year kind of wraps up. Right. So it's like a little bit of good news before we get into the new year. So into the holidays. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. we're, it, we're really happy to see it. You know, hopefully we start turning another page and, and start getting out of this whole COVID era. Yeah, Tom. Yeah, because it's it's brutal right now. Because obviously, me and you could attest to this that we're coach we're coaches for minor hockey team here in Sudbury, and we have to wear a mask on the ice. Like it it's and it, it's it's terrible, and like your mask gets freaking moist, and it's just it's and just the whole a bad the whole season's been a, a wash. I remember. Um, and the kids listening, if they are listening, you know, we just finished, uh, I'll never forget it. The day the, uh, world kind of shut down, we just lost game five to the Sioux. We were underdogs and ended up winning two overtime games at home, taking it to game five. We were like huge underdogs playing against the Sioux, lost to the Sioux in the Sioux. And then the whole world shut down the day after, which was crazy. Um, and, you know, you carry that mo- momentum. You don't think COVID's going to last that long. And you're excited for the next season because, you know, you have a chance to beat these guys every every night now. And our team was only getting better. And then, obviously, this happens. You know, we've been practicing. We have inner squad games. But it's just not the same. It's, it's hard to get up um, for games when you're not really working towards, you know, playing other competition other than yourselves, which sucks. But on the flip side and the positive side from this is this is a huge development year for minor hockey. Um, Kids have never been on the ice more before. And I hope they realize that, that they're going to be on the ice more than they ever have been um, practicing, working on skills. You know, it's, it's really helpful. I think for them, Um, I'm just not a big fan of the whole four on four new rules, all that BS. I think it's going to be irrelevant in, in a year's time anyway. So um, that's my take on it, Tom. 
Yeah, I mean, I can't remember the like when we used to play out. We didn't get that much ice time. Jesus, like Never. we're coaching now, and we're like, it feels like we're texting every day, saying we're yeah, picking you up or whatever. Yeah, and these kids uh, obviously do extracurricular stuff, like uh, I guess, um, what do you call it? like they're on school teams, the volleyball teams, or whatever else. Yeah. So they're they're extremely busy, and they obviously some of them still work out uh, four or five times a week. So yeah. these kids are getting very active, and it's obviously good to get their mind off. Uh, mind off other shit i guess to clear some stress and to, to play the game they love like i like i can't imagine Al, if when we played if we were going through a pandemic like this, I went, like this yeah i would be going like bananas like yeah especially and the good thing is not a major year for anyways for our kids so mm-hmm. they're not playing for like mm-hmm. an ohf championship you know that kind of stuff which is which is okay it's a, it's a big development year yeah Tom. yeah like uh just slowly to go away from uh, that topic it's it sort of goes in the same thing obviously <laughs> the major midgets might lose the uh, the what the, the what the what cup Tell's cup <laughs> yeah so obviously first of all I, that was my next point what an insta post that was like I that mean, lebron you your editing skills is good you're gonna get a good job out of uh, out of this podcast al for all your editing shit out, out of nowhere obviously i knew a little bit of what you're doing but uh you uh you created a good post there i have to get you back obviously something that you would agree on but uh, we got a lot of uh, a lot of love on that, so that that was good. That oh, LeBron that was thing hilarious. is hilarious. Yeah, I love that LeBron thing. Cup. Listen, and um, you know, you play. Sometimes you don't realize when you say it, so it was it was hilarious to see because I, I could oh. tell. You know, you just like it was very similar the ways you you would drop the tell cup. So I thought I thought oh. it was hilarious yeah. to, to what drop a tournament though. Frick, Jesus Christ, that was the best yeah. moment of my uh, hockey career. So I yeah, can't absolutely. I can't stop talking about it. Yeah, I was like a I was like a young young stud i guess for that week i was signing autographs and doing all that shit so no that was a good tournament so but yeah. anyways yeah the, what a post i like the humor <laughs> on your side <laughs> it was it was gold well listen nonetheless we hope uh you know we get hockey back uh mm-hmm. to to normal and have all those great events like you mentioned tom and we're gonna turn it into our our, our special guest that we had today um on on uh interview um, who's covered a lot of hockey, a lot of sports in the Sudbury community, and that is Ben Leeson. Ben Leeson wrote an article about us a, a few weeks ago um, pumping our podcast out, and we said, you know, we got to get you on the pod because, you know, we definitely have some great stories from his journalism career. He currently works um, for the Sudbury Star. Um, so it was awesome to have him on. He had some great stories about his uh, time covering the Wolves and uh, some great takes, Tom. Yeah, we just continue to keep on getting better and better guests every time. What of uh, what a podcast we started out! It's it's so enjoyable interviewing these people because obviously we we don't know much about these guys before we start to do some research on on their career. So Ben, uh, one of the best in the business here in Sudbury for the media and what Absolutely. he does for interviewing. Um, yeah, we we had a we had a blast doing this one, and I'm excited for our listeners to uh, to hear his story because we got into the Sioux days. I didn't even know that he was with, with the Greyhounds. Yeah. Um, and he he was there when some really good NHL players now were there, um, like Muzzin, all those guys. He gets into that. So for me, that's cool because I'm a Leafs fan, and uh, he was there when uh, Muzzin and now uh, what Simmons was there too when he was there. Yeah, and Doobie was just a stick boy. Oh, Doobie, yeah, Doobie yeah. was just there. The Wayne train. So yeah, it's cool. Ben Ben's a cool cool guy. Obviously, my neighbor, and uh, it's cool. It's cool to hear some stories about uh, just like interviewing people. I, I found it was like a little different and a normal athlete. So it was cool to expand it that way. Absolutely. Without any further ado, ladies and gents, here is Ben Leeson.
All right. From Manning to Wanning, Ontario, this person is a household name in the Northern Ontario media community. He has been all around Ontario writing for the Timmins Daily Press, the Welling Tribune, the Sioux Star, and now currently covering sports for the Sudbury Star as a multimedia journalist. He has been a close follower of the hometown Sudbury Wolves, covering, covering them since 2011. Some people may call him the insider. We also had the honor of having a story written on us by this person, and boy, can he write. Ladies and gentlemen, from the Sudbury Star and Post Media, give it up for Ben Leeson. How you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me on. That's quite the intro. I uh, flattered. Well, after that story that you wrote for us, I mean, you deserve all the praise. Um, uh, it was just an unbelievable story, and you got us out on on the front page. So, we'll really appreciate that. Um, Tom, you want to chime in? Yeah, no. Uh, just on behalf of the podcast, Ben, we want to say thank you again. Um, we're already starting to gain followers. It's great. I my phone was pretty busy yesterday with. Uh, grandparents cousins like even relatives from Greece that were uh, seeing the uh, article out so it was good to see and we again we just really appreciate it because we weren't weren't expecting to get uh, right on the front page and weren't expecting to get this much love so it's good to see uh, how much love we're getting how many people actually enjoy listening to our podcast so without that article I don't think we would have got that much love yesterday so we just appreciate it Ben. Well, it's nice. I'm ha- happy to hear that. And, you know, I think it's something that's uh, of interest to folks and uh, maybe one of those stories that is nice for people to, uh, to, to read at a time like this, too, when, uh, you know, you see some of these, you know, positive uh, efforts that are going on in the community as opposed to, uh, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the stories that uh, can stress people out right now right. <laughs> with everything that's going on. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's get right into it. So talk about where it all started for you and, and what got you into writing. Uh, I had always written a little bit sort of on my own, just, you know, when I was a kid and when I was a teenager, stuff like that. Um, but, you know, when it ki- came time to s- try to decide what I wanted to do for a career, um, it's sort of just, uh, to be honest, um, I-, I applied to a couple different things uh, for-, for school. And uh, that was something that, um, you know, I got accepted to the journalism program here at Cambrian and uh, ended up uh, really enjoying that. It was probably... Um, in the just in the first few weeks, I, it really sort of grabbed hold for me. I got, uh, I, I, w- I had a, a really great program coordinator uh, named Bill Rudunsky, who was, uh, you know, re- really helped uh, kind of inspire me and, and give me an idea of what, you know, journalism could be and how you can really uh, sort of, uh, you know, I- embrace it as a bit of a craft. And, you know, that, that was, uh, you know, and he also kind of was pretty realistic too in the fact that as far as the fact that, you know, you're going to have to spend maybe the first few years sort of paying some dues and, and ma- making, uh, you know, establishing yourself a little bit, but, uh, but, but that's sort of just part of the process and, uh, and it, uh, it, it sort of just went from there. Cool. Cool. Um, so did you get to cover a little bit of sports there at, at Cambrian? Yeah, I did a bit. Um, I, I was sort of one of the. I was think I was one of like two sports guys for when they, they actually had a uh, a paper there called the uh, the uh, Cambrian Golden Shield, and mm-hmm. we, I covered some uh, a, lo- a lot of the varsity sports at Cambrian. Uh, they still had a hockey team then, so it was only in its last couple of years. But uh, 
you know, they, uh, you know, they were still somewhat competitive. So, you know, went to those games, got some good experience doing things like that. Um, you know, cross country, badminton, volleyball, bas- they didn't have basketball at that point, but uh, a lot of the other stuff that they were into. So it was, a, it was a good way to get started. And then I got a chance to freelance for the star of it too, which was nice. Yeah, good stuff. And I think we'll move right into that, Eitan. Yeah, so Ben, you mentioned uh, yesterday when I was talking to you about something about a lockout. So what was that lockout about when you when you were there for freelance for Subway Star? Yeah, they had, like... a, they had well, they had they had approached my uh, they had approached Bill, my my coordinator, uh, looking for someone who could uh, cover uh, primarily Cambrian stuff uh, for the paper. They kind of wanted someone who was there already, and uh, he had recommended me, and uh, so I started doing that, and, and it was going pretty well. But then they had a little bit of a labor dispute over at the Star, and uh, okay. that kept them out for several months it was pretty long it was like 01 to 02 i believe uh i think i think it was like eight nine maybe 10 or 11 months but it was a long time and uh it was something that i as much as they probably would have taken some uh some copy from me at that point it was something as a as a young uh uh reporter starting out i didn't really want to get in the thick of so right. just kind of pulled back for a bit waited for that to get resolved and uh you know it didn't hurt in the long run because i ended up uh doing some more work for them down the road right yeah, exactly. Just moving on from that, Ben. It's uh, that's that sort of stuff earlier in our me and Alex's childhood is uh, kind of different because we were only like one or two when all that stuff happened. But so then you take a placement with the Subway Star. Did you always want to get into sports? Uh, was that something you always wanted to cover? Well, it was something I always had an interest in and and liked to write about. But it, it, it's kind of funny how a lot of the careers played out for me because I didn't really necessarily seek out. Um, sports jobs especially early on because I just thought that's they were going to be too few and far between I, I went to school with guys who said you know I'm going to be a sports writer I'm going to be a sports reporter and even then when there were still probably more jobs in the industry I remember looking at it and thinking like I don't know if you can limit yourself like that so early like it's yeah, just right. it seems like you're setting yourself up for uh you know for to probably not do this job in a few years but the way it's the way it played out, I just ended up keep getting sports, getting sports jobs anyway. So it, uh, it, it's, it's funny how it went like that, but I'm still, I, you know, I don't regret the fact that I went out of my way a couple of times over the years to, to get some news experience and things like that. And I think yeah. it sort of just adds what you can do um, as what you can do in sports as well. So. Yeah, I like that take. I think that's important for anyone that's going into uh, journalism or writing that, you know, keep your options open. Um, I really like that take. So let's talk about you had a little stint in uh, BC. So how did you get out there and what, what was that experience like? Obviously different from being uh, here. Yeah, it was something that I, um, I, I did a little bit of traveling right after high school. I uh, went over to Europe with a couple friends and things like that. Oh. But really, as far as getting around this country, other than a couple school trips and that, hadn't really done a lot of that. It hadn't been uh, out to Western Canada at all. So the idea of that was, you know, was pretty appealing. And I actually uh, had a little old uh, Renault that I used to drive uh, back then that I bought for like, I don't know, 800 bucks or something. <laughs> so I, it man- actually got me all the way out to, to Northern BC and then, uh, and then back. But, um, you know, and that was a neat experience. We were up in the Rockies and stuff and very cold winter for sure, but yeah. uh, it was, it, you know, it was fun. Uh, got to do a bunch of different things that, you know, younger journalists don't always get to do. Like I covered council there and, and, and things like that. And, you know, cause you do just about everything when you're working for like a, a local weekly and, and stuff. But uh, I eventually sort of decided that it was probably a better idea to take, you know, the advice that my editor, um, Don McDonald, who's now the managing editor at the, at the star, yeah, I had for me initially was to go up to a place like Timmins where you can work at a daily and, and really kind of 
cut your teeth. So I ended up coming back by the spring. I was only there for about six months and I've come back by the spring and uh, didn't get a job in Timmins right away. That's actually funny because the, 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 the guy who was the managing editor up in Timmins at the time, um, who he'd recommend I talk to, who he had a real good relationship with. When I called them, they're like, oh, he's not here anymore. So I guess he had been, uh, he had oh, been wow. locked or something. So <laughs> I, uh, yeah. it, it, it took a little while because there wasn't anything up right away. But then uh, a couple, few months later, they ended up um, uh, posting uh, the sports job there. So uh, ended up getting that. And uh, that ended up being a, a pretty good experience too. Yeah. And I mean, you segued it perfect for us uh, into Tim is that you travel up the, the beautiful highway 144 up to Tim. And so <laughs> what was that experience? Like you said, you covered some uh, hockey in the GNML. So uh, what, what was Timmins like in that experience? Yeah. I covered the uh, great North league, the Timmins majors up there and, uh, and the, um, that the uh, junior eight, the closest junior eight team at that point, which was in our coverage area was, uh, was Avatibi the in the Iroquois Falls. So I used to go up right. there every, every Saturday night. It was about a 45 minute drive. Um, which could be interesting in the winter too. And no kidding. And, and that, yeah. but, uh, but it, it, it's too bad. They don't have a team up there right now because that was actually a great atmosphere in that, in that rink, especially when they got into the playoffs and stuff, they had a pretty good team when I was there. Uh, Paul Gagne was the coach and, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and they, uh, they did pretty well. So it was, uh, it was really sort of, uh, thumping in there when they, when they, when they went on a bit of a run in the playoffs, but, uh, uh, one of the kind of the highlights for me, which I got to do right before I left, was uh, cover the uh, Canadian Little League Championships. They had it oh, up there. Oh, wow. Timmins hosted it, and there were some, uh, you know, it got a really kind of a an eye-opener as to how good some of the youth baseball was from across the country, like BC and Toronto, and uh, and there was a team from out east that was really good. And so that was a, that was a pretty cool thing to do sort of right at the end before I took my uh, my, my next job. Cool. Uh, I like that take. Also, um, it's funny you mentioned about the small town atmosphere. Everyone that I've talked to or know that's played in the NOJHL, those places, although the travel suck, they loved playing in those buildings, Capus Casey, Kirkland Lake, all those places. Th- those barns are bumping, right? Because it's like their OHL team. So it, it's yeah. funny you say that. Um, oh, I'd love to get up to a, a game in like Hearst or, or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I've heard it's pretty wild up there. So Big it would be, uh, yeah. Yeah, it'll be nice to check out someday. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ben. So you mentioned when you covered the GNML and the Junior League in Timmins when you were there, how was the quality of hockey from like that time to like, let's say what you're covering here now, the Junior GNML? Was the caliber of maybe style of play different or um, just a little it, question it, from what you uh, maybe noticed during those games? It was starting to get, you know, starting to probably get pretty similar to what you have now. And there, there were some pretty, uh, you know, some pretty good players back then. Um, I don't know if you remember a guy by the name of uh, Mark Caddick. He plays over in Europe now, but he uh, was a star for Sarnia for a few years. And he was a, he was like the star defenseman in Timmins uh, for the midgets at the time. Um, and I think he ended up going like early first round to, wow. uh, to Sarnia too. So there were some, definitely some pretty good players in the league, you know, um, uh, you know, like like anything, the game has I think gotten faster and even more systems oriented, maybe even than it was then. But uh, but you know, it was already already a pretty good uh, level of hockey to cover, and you know, definitely enjoyed covering the the NOJHL as well. Again, some uh, you know some some pretty good players. You know, guys who were up and comers maybe ended up playing in the O or uh, or even in school, and um, or uh, you know just uh, had been back from from playing in the OHL things like that. So mm-hmm. so it's pretty good games. 
Cool. Yeah, that's an interesting experience for, for sure. So then, so you go from Timmins, then you go down south uh, to Welland. So talk about how you ended up there and uh, what, what it was like uh, in Welland. Um, it, it was, uh, again, just probably something I thought was like, a, you know, uh, just a good step forward uh, in the career and a chance to, uh, you know, cover, um, I, you know, was, I, I had kind of been doing more stuff on the new side in Timmins and I kind of was thinking I'd like to get back into sports full time. It's probably one of the times when I really kind of pursued that. And, right. uh, you know, and I, I think I knew too, that it was just, um, you know, probably, uh, there was a, a few different, uh, papers around there, like St. Catharines, Nag Falls, mm-hmm. things like that. So, you know, a chance to maybe get, uh, you know, expose yourself to a couple different, uh, markets as well. Cause, uh, they have that, uh, it was called the Gordon Golden Horseshoe League then, but now it's a division in the Greater Ontario Junior right. Hockey League, Junior B. So th- those teams all play each other, and you know it was kind of a good chance to to get into some different rinks and get some different experience and stuff like that. And it was a uh, it was pretty neat. It was it was a bit wild. You know, you're talking about how the games changed. You know, year to year, and uh, Junior B was a little still of like sort of what the old reputation it had. Like you'd go to a preseason game and there'd be like 15 fights and guys would, you know, <laughs> take off the helmets and they'd square off and they'd be going around in circles. Like it was, it was really kind of, there was a lot of that kind of thing. It was a little bit of a wild west atmosphere and some of the fans were pretty, uh, pretty crazy too. So yeah. you get some interesting chants directed at the, uh, the refs and things like that. So, oh, yeah. uh, so it was, it was fun. It, it was pretty good. Love that. Love that. Yeah, good. Uh, that's uh, that's funny to see. I, you know, that fighting is completely out of hockey now with everyone taking their buckets off and squaring oh, off. So, oh yeah, just how the, yeah. yeah just how the times the have changed. Conduct all the time for taking the helmets off. So, it was, uh, oh yeah, yeah. I know all the rules have changed now. So after the Welland experience, Ben, you jump into the Sioux. Uh, you end up in the Sioux for about three years. Before we get into, I have a bunch of hockey questions for you because I did some digging on some players that were there. <laughs> No problem. But um, you covered the Scotties the last year you were there. How was that experience for you? In the Sioux? Uh, that was really yeah. that was really fun. Um, yeah. They they really curling Canada really does that up. They had the they, the arena the arena in the Sioux was still only about four or five years old. Um, yeah. You know, and it's a nice barn now too, of course. But uh, you know, it was a nice showcase for it. Uh, they did a great job with the ice and the whole sort of one end of of the arena was all for media. So they had like these different uh you know sections going up it was almost kind of terraced and everyone had their own little tv with the tsn feed on it and stuff and 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 one of the things that was talking great about talking to curlers like even like all world curlers jennifer jones people like that was you know they're very down to earth very easy to deal with and stuff and they would make time for you after every single game and it it was it was definitely uh it it was definitely a, a pretty neat thing to be able to be part of for sure yeah awesome that's that's a wicked story and then you got to cover the ohl for the first time so in 2007 in the sioux maybe talk about the first game you covered of the ohl and if you did any interviews that night and maybe with who it was i'm trying to remember the first game i covered but i remember the first game i went to because it was kind of a it was kind of a memorable experience um okay. they were playing plymouth who ended up going to the final that year and beating sudbury in, right. in the final but this was earlier in the year this is probably like uh February or March, February, I think. And uh, the Hounds got up on them like five, nothing. 
ended up blowing a five nothing lead and losing like eight five. And this was the game that I had just got to town, and uh, Bill Montague was the editor then. He said, you know, just I'll, you know come down to the Hounds game. We'll show you around. I'll introduce you to a couple of you know Peter uh, Ricci, the, the main reporter there who's still there. Um, he said, I'll take it and introduce you to Craig Hartsburg later because Hartsburg was coaching the Hounds. So he takes me down, and Craig's, like, not in any mood to chit-chat with people. This team just blew an 8-5 lead, and, and Peter's trying to ask him questions and stuff, and he had just introduced me. And uh, so he's trying to ask him questions, and they end up kind of, like, getting into it a little bit like because Craig was being a little bit uh, standoffish with Peter, and Peter, you know, Peter's got a bit of a button. I don't know. I, I mean, everyone's seen the famous clip of him with Paul Fixter, right, from a few years ago? Oh, um, all time. <laughs> All time. Were you there for that? So I, I wasn't there for that one, oh. but, uh, but Peter's got a, you know, Peter admit he, you know, he, he, he doesn't, he's not one to back down. So like, you know, he, they started to get into it a bit and then he looks over at me and he said, like, I realized I, you know, I'm just introducing you to this guy for the first time. I didn't want this to turn into a big, a big thing. So, uh, you know, he kind of tried to smooth things over in that. So it was an interesting way to get, get introduced to, uh, to the hounds and to the, you know, and to, to Craig Hartsburg, who, by the way, ended up being a great guy to deal with. I mean, he was, uh, you know, always made time for you and stuff. I think he was, had a bit of a hard exterior as far as the players were concerned, but, uh, you know, really good guy, really good to deal with and, uh, still doing a lot for, for hockey now, even though he's not, he's done coaching. So, um, definitely, uh, it, it was, a, they had a fun little run that year though. Um, Got to cover it a fair bit in the playoffs because uh, even though they ended up, uh, they didn't get past the second round, but they took the took a London team that had Pat Kane and jeez, uh, right. um, uh, it's not coming to me. Corey Perry? It was, no, it wasn't Corey Perry. They had, no, they, they had, uh, they had Kostitsin on that team and right. uh, oh, who's the other? Oh, Sam Gagne. Right. And uh, so they were, you know, a pretty high powered group and they ended up taking them to seven games in a really thrilling series, came back from like three, nothing to force game seven, ended up losing wow. that. But the, uh, the, uh, it was the SR center then, uh, what right. is it now? Uh, GFL Memorial Gardens. That yeah. place right. was just, you know, it was, you know, the towels going and, you know, oh, it, was, yeah. it was pretty, That's it was awesome. a pretty great run for sure. That's so that, that was fun to be part of, you know, kind of my first season covering the O. Yeah, and then the year after, uh, Ben, they went on another run and they lost in the conference finals to Kitchener, I believe. Yes. And yeah. that team, from what I was looking up, was pretty loaded. They had Pete DeBoer, who was head coach and manager. I don't know how yeah. that worked. And then Robert Bertuzzo, just a recent Stanley Cup winner, Nazem Kadri before he got traded to the Golden Knights, and then they had Steve Mason in that. So, obviously, what a squad. What do you that remember from yeah. – yeah, what do you remember most from the year after? And did you get that chance to like maybe meet with any of these guys? Or because I'm not sure how much you do with the opposing team, but maybe just from that whole playoff experience. Because I think they lost four one. The Sioux lost in that series. I think it I was. Remember. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah I, th- I think everyone hoped it was going to be a little more competitive because the Sioux had some pretty, uh, you know, some pretty good players too. And I think they were battling through a couple injuries though, things like right. that. And, and they tried to load up a bit. That was kind of the first time I had seen the team really try to try to load up for a run. Um, and it, it was it was fun for sure. But yeah, we we probably could talk to the opposing team a little more back then because there was a little less deadline pressure than there is now and things right. like that. So it was usually a chance to talk to a coach or an opposing player or something like that. So definitely would have uh, had a chance to to meet and talk with some of those guys. Would have you know. Talk, talk to uh, talk to DeBoer after game, did post games with him a few times, things like that. But uh, that was a uh, you know that was a that was a fun team to cover that year too for sure. No kidding. And then 
um, someone on the Sioux, because I'm a Leafs fan. I noticed Jake Muzzin was in the Sioux at the time that you were there. Did, yeah. Uh, did you ever get a chance to maybe have a couple minutes of chat with him? Or oh, yeah. how was he yeah. like? Talked talk to Jake quite a few times. He's a nice guy, for sure. Um, had a pretty cool career trajectory in the Sioux, too, because he, uh, he, you know, he's a first-round pick um, and ended up having a pretty significant injury. I believe it was his back, if, I don't, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Yes. Miss, missed yes. most of his rookie season. And that kind of sort of set back his development a bit. He was drafted, then not signed. Um, and then I think he went to the draft again and wasn't taken, but just, you know, kept going through his junior career and ended up by being named a defenseman of the year, I think, in his last, uh, last season with the Hounds. Really came into his own and uh, then ended up getting signed by, uh, by the Kings. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. He's had a real good career. Uh, but, yeah, he, he was a good guy to deal with for sure and uh, definitely a motivated kid back then and a guy that was taking his development pretty seriously and uh it was great to see him battle back from you know from what could have been a career-threatening injury for sure for sure sure. did you get a chance to uh talk to wayne simmons too i believe he was on that suit team eh? yeah wow yeah yeah talk to wayne he was another another easy guy to deal with you know we're always uh, good for giving you his time after and uh you know uh played a lot then like he plays now probably even more of a go-to offensive guy then in oh, junior, yeah. but, but, you know, he, he was, you know, I remember Hartsburg saying, you know, Wayne Simmons is a warrior because he, that's exactly the way he played, <laughs> yeah. you know, and probably was a little banged up in that run. I, I'd imagine that they had in 2008 and, you know, that might've affected things a little bit for him, but, uh, but, you know, that was the way he, you know, he played, he played hard, he played heavy and uh, obviously he had a lot of skill too. So. Um, yeah. It's funny when, when we did like research on these teams, we, we look back on it and we look at these names. It's like, wow, like we didn't even know at the time they were playing like for these Northern teams in the OHL, which is cool. Um, did you ever get a chance to run into maybe then was a stick boy, Cal Dubas um, in the Sioux? I'm not sure if he was around then. <laughs> he would have been around. Yeah. A bit during my time there. I mean, I, we, you know, we wouldn't have, uh, you know, talk to him too much like, right. you know, back then early and stuff, but, uh, you know, obviously became more and more aware of him as he sort yeah. of, oh, yeah. you know, made his rise. And then he, you know, he started dealing with, uh, you know, having a, a greater role uh, with the team and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, um, I, I didn't deal with Kyle that much directly right. because most of his time there was after I had already gone to Sudbury, but, right. uh, but definitely, um, you know, definitely was, was neat to see his, uh, you know, his, his kind of, uh, you know, trajectory from a guy who was obviously really passionate wanted to be part of the whole thing and uh you know just uh you know young kid who probably was a lot more motivated than I was at that age and really you know really kept his uh, <laughs> goals in mind you know and look you know look at him now so yeah it's been, uh, been pretty neat to watch yeah unbelievable story so now we we leave the Sioux and we end up back in Sudbury, I believe. So it mm-hmm. kind of comes full circle r- right back to where um, you started. So talk about coming back and then taking more of a, a permanent role here in Sudbury. Yeah, some of the you know some of the changes we've seen in the business over the years. Um, things have been moved around. Um, things have been centralized, stuff like that. And uh, they actually there was actually a series of cuts in the Sioux at one point that I was part of. Um, but it only lasted for like a day because one of the editors decided to take a buyout the next day, Wow! Uh, like a retirement package. So they, uh, they saved me that time. But uh, then, uh, yeah, 2010, I think I had just gotten back from uh, vacation. I had uh, went to Cuba with uh, my, uh, well, my wife now. And uh, I came in like that, 
that uh, evening just to get a couple things. And I remember right. the uh, union president was like, I need to talk to you for a second. They're uh, going to lay you off. <laughs> so, um, wow. Talk so about that was, <laughs> that's cutthroat. My Lord. Wow. Well, that was, that was interesting, but, yeah. uh, but, but, but it, it worked out well. Cause I, I'm the uh, Emmy there at the time, um, fellow by the name of Frank Rupnick, he, you know, he, he had a relationship with the guys over here and stuff. And he made a point of sort of, uh, you know, trying to uh, work things out that I could get onto their page desk because the way they had set it up for a few years there was for the layout for all the print editions, they moved it all to Sudbury. So it's North Bay, Timmins, um, Sudbury and the Sioux. So we did that there for a few years. And so I, I came here initially, I came back uh, in, in 2010 just to lay out pages basically mm -hmm. and, you know, hoping that I could get back into writing again because that's what I really wanted to do. And uh, eventually that worked out. Yeah, so so you start covering the Wolves near the 2011 playoffs, um, and that was actually a pretty pretty special year. Those years were probably my favorite years of the Wolves, just being a young kid, Marcus Foligno, um, and then there was Mike Lomas. I believe he scored the OT winner that uh, against yeah. uh, Ottawa that year. So talk about you know getting back into the Wolves and and um, that experience and how it's taken you through so far. Yeah, I just uh, I I had wanted to kind of get my foot in the door a little bit and. Yeah. Um, you know, like a lot of things, it was sort of taking a little while to, uh, you, you might remember Scott Haddo. He was a sort of an institution of sports journalism around here for a yeah. while, was at Northern Life and then Subway Star. And he decided to move on and do something else and uh, took a little while, I guess, to fill the position. So I just said to my editor, like, if, you know, if I go and do a few stories, you know, can we, can we do that? So I got to meet like a bunch of the Wolves guys, you know, Felino. Uh, mm -hmm. I remember Eric Odell was just coming back. Oh, from, yeah. uh, he had yeah. had that significant heart issue. Right. Uh, that was career-threatening for him, and uh, he ended up coming back, and that was a huge addition for them. Yeah, they picked up Mike Lomas, and uh, had a pretty good team. I mean, uh, Al Valakad, who's the goalie coach, was their goaltender as an overager, yeah. and and, and finally had finally really come into his own as a starter. was a was a really good goalie for them that year. So that was a it was it was a cool way to get introduced to the team. They added Mike Scarbosa uh, in a Scarbosa, trade with yeah. uh, Saginaw, and uh, he ended up uh, really lighting it up for them over time, yeah. and and stuff so uh they kind of got better and better uh you know good team that was that was uh, coached by trent cull and um they got into that that first round series against the second seed ottawa that had some uh, if you look at that roster it had some pretty uh oh, yeah. good players on it too and um and we're probably expected to go out pretty quickly by most folks but uh they kind of continue that late season momentum they had and and kind of put it on them in those first two games in ottawa probably took it took them by surprise a little bit um, and uh, just kind of kept it going and ended up, uh, ended up winning a, a pretty memorable series for sure. One of the ones that sticks out to me about that the most is uh, uh, Charlie Dodaro defenseman um, scored on a uh, penalty shot of all things uh, here at the, here at the barn in Sudbury. Yeah. I remember and, uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> there might even be a clip or two around still from that because it was just that that's, I, I had unfortunately missed out on the 2007 run, but that's still probably as loud as I've ever heard that arena. Since right. Here. Like it was, it was crazy for sure. So, and it really kind of put a, put a stamp on that series for them. Right. Yeah. That, that's awesome. I, I love that. So I remember him and now I, I forget, they always used to do a handshake at the middle of the ice at the end of the game, right, right at center ice. Um, was was mm -hmm. that the year that, the Wolves ended up getting into that brawl with uh, Barry near the end of the series. I can't remember when that was. I'm not sure if you recall that. I'm not sure if that would have been that year. Yeah. Um, but because uh, it was the next the next round they played. Um, 
I believe what was it? the next round they played. Jeez, uh, I'm trying to think of who they played. In the was it Mississauga? It was it Mississauga? Was it Mississauga that year? Because there was, yeah, I believe it was. Yeah. And uh, who ended up going to the final? I think, right? Um, right. But uh, but yeah, that was uh, you know. But but there were. I remember a couple a uh, couple big big line brawls. Remember there was one against uh, Windsor, I believe. Uh, a few years, a couple years after that, and, yeah. and things like that. You you don't see them as much anymore. I know. But they were, uh, the old school, yeah. The old yeah. school Sudbury Saturday nights, yeah. Everybody pairing off and things like that. <laughs> um, you know, one thing that I remember too about uh, you know the the Dodaro thing brought, brings to mind. Uh, it was I think the next year um, they had been having like no success in shootouts, and like they had some pretty good young skilled guys, right. but they just kind of weren't getting it done and. So I remember, um, I remember Cole coming in the media room and, you know, he was kind of talking he's like, I think I got to look at some veterans. And I said, you should put Dodaro in and I'm not taking credit for the idea, but he's like, you know what? I'm thinking about it. And he put him in the shootout that night. Cause I went to a shootout again that night, he put him in and he scored. <laughs> so, and, I, and they ended up winning it in the shootout. So that was, that was kind of a neat, uh, you know, kind of a kind of a neat thing that definitely there's the, uh, that night. So love yeah, there's the ins there's the insider you mentioned there, Alex, at the start. Oh, yeah. there. Ben's the, Ben's the <laughs> oh, insider, that's right. So. That's right. He's making moves. Yeah. Um I love Trent Call. Um he, one of my favorite moments from him and I, I recall this is I don't know what was happening. The refs were, were really getting bad that game and he just took a, a stick and snapped it right over the boards. It's one of one of the best moments I've seen. He was so fired up. Um yeah. 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 You could get a bit fired up. Oh yeah. For sure. Um, so let's, let's move on into the late, uh, later days. So, you know, you kind of saw the best and the worst of the wolves leading up to now. So talk about, you know, during the dog days, you know, they had a couple of years where it was like really tough. Um, but yeah, yeah talk about that. Yeah, there was, uh, you know, there, there was the big build as you might remember for uh, what they hoped was going to be a run in, uh, 2014, picked up some, uh, you know, some pretty good players and had a, had a pretty good team, but, uh, you know, ended up going out in the first round against uh, Barry and, uh, you know, kind of just really went on a late season slide and, right. but they had really, really loaded up and, uh, there wasn't a lot left the next year and, um, ended up having, I, th I believe it was the worst record in franchise history. Yeah. So there were some, there were some pretty tough games to watch that year. I, I won't lie to you. And it mm -hmm. was, you know, kind of tough sometimes to, you know, to kind of find something interesting to write about. Not, you know, not even just necessarily put a positive spin on, but, you know, you're trying to talk about guys and maybe what they're trying to accomplish individually and things like that. So it was interesting to, uh, to sort of go through that experience and stuff. Right. But, you know, I got to say that, uh, you know, the players, the coaches and stuff always were, uh, you know, always good to deal with. And, um, you know, and, uh, you know, I know it didn't really end up working out too well for the aforementioned uh, Paul Fixter here. But, uh, you know, one thing I got to say is like he he was always a, always good for giving us his time, giving us a mm -hmm. quote, things like that. And uh, it's it's almost unfortunate that one of the best things he's remembered for in his time here was was getting into it with the guys in the Sioux that time. But, yeah, uh, legendary. you know, yeah, but uh, definitely, uh, you know, definitely always was pretty easy to deal with for us, for sure. Good stuff. Yeah, in the later years, Ben, in 2018, the Wolves drafted Quinton Byfield first overall. So maybe talk about that experience from, I guess, his short stint here in Sudbury, if you ever had the chance to meet him or uh, how was oh, he yeah. as a, as a yeah. kid? Qu Quinton's been a great guy to talk to since day one. You know, him, his, his family, dealing right. with them. 
I, I actually talked to him the first time before they drafted him because mm-hmm. I, I did a few like profile stories on guys that might go first overall. And he was sort of already the consensus at that point. Yeah. But um, yeah, I remember uh, dealing with him and dealing with his folks and just, you know, real nice people, real easy to talk to. Um, impressed by his attitude with the whole thing too. You know, he's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you could see some of that when, when he was uh, drafted by, by LA uh, in October, you know, just the, uh, or uh, was that earlier in November now? It's blurring together. But uh, when he was yeah. taken in the NHL draft second overall, I mean, you can see, like, he's a guy that takes his career seriously, takes his development seriously, works hard. But, you know, he, he makes some time to have fun. You know, he's, he's, he's pretty grounded. And, uh, and I, I give a lot of credit for that, too, is, uh, you know, his folks and sort of how they've, uh, they've raised him and stuff. But, uh, you know, always a pleasure to deal with, good to deal with at the rink. And he's a guy who gets tons of interview requests. And oh, everything. Yeah. Still made time for me on draft night back here and all that stuff. So uh, that's awesome. You know, um, you can see why he was so well liked by his teammates and oh, fit yeah. in so well, even with the older guys. For sure. Yeah, no, Quentin, uh, he went to St. Charles. I wasn't, I was graduated when he was there, but I was, I have some buddies that I actually coached um, and then some teachers that I'm still close with from that school. And he said, he's just a, world-class uh character and like world-class talent so uh even even in the school right so he's uh he's good at what he does but uh you did a little bit of a stint for uh sorry to no 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 no, go ahead i was gonna say i think it'd be easy for maybe not easy but you know you you could get situations where you you bring a guy in to a team who's so well regarded and you already have some some older guys that are established and are important parts of the team as well you can see that being kind of disruptive potentially uh especially if he doesn't have the right attitude um or right. if they don't have the right room for him but uh, it, it all seemed to come together pretty nicely they've they, i gotta say the wolves have done a nice job with their with their culture in the last few years uh it seems to be a tight room you don't seem to get that stuff you hear about you know in the past sometimes about uh there being a real separation between veterans and rookies and things like that. That's potentially problematic, but uh, you know, a, a lot of that's a lot of that's him and sort of his attitude too. Like, you know, you could see him, him and a guy like Macaulay Carson, who was a, you know, right. a veteran became right. good friends really early, you know, things like that. So um, it, it was, uh, it, it's nice to see it come together like that for sure. Yeah, for sure. No. Um, just one, I don't know if Alex, you want to go? I have this one. Yeah, ju- just one more thing from that, that year. Um, I mean, the Wolves bring in Uko Pekka in, who's probably might go down as one of the best goaltenders to ever play for the Wolves. Um, talk about, you know, just having the pleasure to watch him and just the type of person he was. He's like unflappable. I, 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 you know, simultaneously, you know, a kid again, who's, you know, real serious about what his job is, but just comes off came off as so like laid back and sort of easy going easy to talk to yeah. always real good with the kids and the fans and all that stuff too you could see but uh that was really a huge huge, huge move for the team like j- just the fact that you bring in a guy and you got sort of a young developing decor and and you know you guys that you don't want them to feel like every mistake they made is going to end up in the back of the net and you just bring a guy in like that who can just calm things down stop pucks and and uh, if any, that might have been in terms of sort of uh, restoring some positive momentum after what they had another tough season the year before um, would, was, you know, in the short term, especially that might have been one of the biggest moves they made was, was bringing a guy like him in, drafting him, being able to recruit him and having him play the way he did. It, uh, it made a huge difference for sure. 
Yeah, very special for sure. Tom? Yeah, he's uh, he's a beast in that. He's a pretty tall boy for yeah, – oh, I think yeah. he's the same age as Alex, yeah, but he's yeah, be sick. just a phenomenal goalie. Um, you mentioned, Ben, that you did, you're, you're doing actually a little bit of work for the Subway 5. So talk about how the Subway 5 experience is so far because I know they're obviously relatively new in the league and maybe how it, it's different from covering like the OHL games. It's been a pretty cool success story. I mean, when when they decided to join the league, you, you certainly hope it's going to be uh, something that takes off because it's it, it, you think it's going to be something that's going to be fun to cover on a weekly basis. And uh, it, it, I know that there was probably a little bit of skepticism in the community of just, first of all, how good the team would be and how much it would be embraced by, by the fans. But they, they, they kind of started things off really well. Um, I think they uh, had a really good grasp of all the, you know, the social stuff and the online stuff to help kind of build up their brand even before they play their first game and their game night experience um, that they put together has been just been excellent. So it it was really engaging. And uh, then the team was good. They, you know, they were successful. They ended up having the, you know, the MVP in the league their first year and a couple of the, couple of the better uh, newcomers to the league. And, and, um, and yeah, and you know, Logan Stutz did a great job putting that team together, and right. and it's been it's really been a lot of fun to do because uh, I certainly hadn't really covered a lot of basketball, certainly not at that level. I mean, you got guys who were who were uh, Division One. There's you know all Americans in the league, things like that. Right. So it's uh, it, it's it's pretty impressive ball to watch, and it's it's pretty uh, like they like to run and gun and shoot the threes, and you know, it's a pretty. Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty wide open game too. So that's, uh, it's exciting. No, no doubt about it. So it's, in hindsight, maybe it's no, no big surprise that it's uh, really caught on the way it has here. And I certainly hope that once this, uh, you know, pandemic stuff is a little more resolved that uh, they're able to get, get back to what they had. For sure. For sure. All right. So again, great story on, on the Sudbury five. And since you've been around, you know, the Sudbury sports, um, industry and and just the community around it for for quite a bit i I just want to pick your brain about the arena situation i want to see you know what you think about it and um and where uh this this can go for the wolves um well it's uh it's been an interesting thing to follow for sure and probably a little uh uh, you know a, a little frustrating for for all involved at times um you know, I, I do think that the, you know, the, the, the project, the, the, the KD project could uh, really have a lot of potential for what it could uh, be as a, you know, if, it, if it's fully realized, you know, though, you know, as a, as a real sort of like sports and, you know, an entertainment district out there. Um, you know, it's, I think it's, it's past due for, for, for a new arena, um, regardless of, of where it ends up. Um, and uh I, I think probably, you know, in my opinion, that's probably the way to go over trying to uh, trying to renovate what they already have, which which is probably going to turn into an ongoing thing. But uh, mm-hmm. I know there are definitely some uh, some strong opinions to the contrary on that. So it's been uh, it's been interesting to see. It's been a little bit uh, a little bit uh, dirty at times, um, you know, just just with the way uh, you know the way some of the folks involved have uh, you know have conducted themselves and things like that too. So. Uh, um it's uh but you know it's 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 uh it i i would i would like to see you know a nice new modern uh event center and arena in the city for sure um and somewhere that um somewhere they they can build it with with some room to grow and uh i think the team should have that um i think the city should have that 
because uh, it's it's going to be good for everything from recruiting players to getting concerts in here to uh, you know to, to really kind of building things up. I mean, I, I touched on the arena in uh, the Sioux, which is a it, which was a much more modest project. Um, and probably could have even been bigger, but that made a certainly made a difference in terms of the entertainment they were able to draw there that they just couldn't before, um, just because the facilities are are more modern. Uh, if you spend much time in the in the bowels of the Sudbury Arena, it's uh, it's 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 dated to say the least. There's just a lot that you just can't do with it for for all the work they've put into it and things like that. And uh, and uh, you know I know they don't, haven't had any fog outs in a while or. Uh, or anything like, like that. So they've done it. They've done a really good job. Like the people involved have done a, have done a lot of hard work to keep that place oh, going. Yeah. But uh, but you know, it's I, I think it's high time to uh, to do something. And you know, and I think the the longer that you wait, the probably hard, the harder it's going to be. So we'll uh, I guess we'll have to see what what comes of all these uh, planning appeals and things like that, and uh, see where it goes from there. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I, I don't think you could have said it much better. Um, I, I, I agree, you know, Sudbury needs something um, to, to get to liven up uh, the industry. And uh, yeah, you couldn't have said that much better. Tom? Yeah, maybe if this uh, podcast takes off, Alex, we can, uh, me, me, you and Ben can put a bit in and get it in Garson because I know me and Ben are from Garson. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if we get some more uh, spare chain from this podcast, we can put it in and finally get this going. But we'll, we'll put it in Garson. We'll put it in Garson. Um, just a, one little last question, Ben, before we, we go into our rapid fire questions that we have at the end for you. Um, what does a usual day look like for you for prepping a story and maybe the necessary steps on getting a story out? Like, Just talk about quickly what a normal day looks like for you. Well, a, a day can... You know that's kind of kind of difficult in, in terms of a t- typical day because that can really really change a lot. Um, but uh, you know, I guess if you want to look at what things are like for me now, I'm working from home a lot, um, pr- pretty much down here in my uh, in my basement most of the time uh, while I'm working. So um, it's a lot of phone interviews, a lot of sort of you know you know looking around online and you know checking out social stuff, seeing kind of what's going on, and uh, obviously been trying to keep keep tabs on what's happening with with the guys from the teams that I would typically cover uh, whether that's the wolves or uh, the five or uh, seeing what's you know the latest is maybe with um, Laurent and stuff like that and uh, a lot of it's kind of been updating on that right now but you know it's also given us a chance to do a lot of stories we you know we didn't get to do as much like you know profiling people who are doing interesting things uh, elsewhere um, because there's just not as much day-to-day game coverage Um, so a lot of it's phone interviews and then sort of kind of getting things written up for that evening. Um, and, uh, I do a lot of editing now too, cause I got a, got some really great, uh, columnists and, and, and people that I'm working with on a freelance basis that, uh, mm-hmm. that have done a nice job rounding out the section every day. And so that's been, uh, you know, it's been a pleasure to work with them for sure. But, um, and then another day, uh, well, thankfully, I'm actually getting to a couple games now. Um, there's been some high school stuff to do. And, uh, you know, Rayside Balfour Canadians are going right. again. And I, yep. I'm going to be, even though their attendance is limited, I've been lucky enough to get to the game last Thursday and I'll, or last uh, Sunday and Thursday. And I'll be, I'll be at the one this Thursday as well, too. So um, it's been nice to get back in the arena, take some photos, talk to guys, you know, things like that, see some live hockey again. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and you just alluded to it right now. How's the COVID how has COVID affected you, you know, finding a story during that quarantine period? I'm sure it must have been tough. So, you know, what what's COVID's effect on you um as a journalist and a writer? Well, there's there's days uh days where, you know, I gotta admit I roll out of bed and I'm not 
quite sure what I'm going to be doing that day. Um, I, I mean, I'm helping out on the, on the news side pretty regularly too, when I can, um, even if it's just, you know, writing up some small stuff, but uh, a lot of it is, uh, it, well, COVID's actually driven, you know, some of our stories uh, in terms of just sort of, uh, first of all, what was happening to the leagues, to the teams, to, to the players, and also you know, how they've been dealing with that, how they've been, getting through uh you know first first maybe doing a bunch of stuff on how guys reflecting on the previous season and and then uh talking about how they're getting through it how they're training how they're uh, keeping busy what and now that we're into fall you know sort of what their options have mm -hmm. been as far as trying to play or to stay sharp or to or to stay ready when uh, the season hopefully does get going again um like i said they, it's it's been nice that the uh, high schools have got going we're we're only i think the one of two cities, if I'm not mistaken, uh, along with Thunder Bay, that's had any high school sports at all right. in the fall, and they're planning to do a winter season as well for for most sports. So we're pretty fortunate that we've been able to do that. And uh, like I said, the NOJHL got going again, which is great. Um, but you know, I, I'm I gotta say I'm you know I'm pretty proud of the fact that we've been able to keep a sports section through all this uh, yeah. dated every day. Um, like I said, it's not some days are easier than others, but. Uh, you know, and I got to give credit to, to a lot of my writers for that, too. I mean, Randy Pascal, Lori Young, um, uh, you know, we got uh, John Vance still doing his outdoors column. We recently had Dave Makala come back on to mm -hmm. write about high school and he's doing a great job with that. And uh, it's been uh, it's it's been nice that way to uh, to have some different voices and some different perspectives and, you know, some people who can do some real high quality work for sure. Yeah, for sure. And we mentioned uh, you mentioned, Ben, that you you're covering the NOJHL now. Um, and they're 0-4 from what it looks like. Um, and I have friends that I used to play with. Maybe uh, Alex were to get a call from Jeff and were to get a PTO, but uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, they're they're going to turn it around. I know they, I know they will. They have a good core. Uh, just one little last question, Ben, before we get into our last little bit of questions, uh, mm -hmm. our little rapid fire. What's the uh, future hold for you, Ben? Well, that'll be, uh, that, that's, I guess that remains to be seen. I'm hoping to, uh, I, I'm not looking to go anywhere any t anytime soon. Um, you know, I, I'm still really enjoying the, uh, as much as the job has changed, and sometimes some of those changes can be a bit frustrating uh, over the right. years. I've always liked doing the work. Um, so, you know, I hope to keep doing that work. Um, and, and, you know, of, of course, you, it, it's always a little bit different. Um, it, uh certainly a lot more of a social aspect a lot more of an online aspect than it was when I started for sure uh, a lot of that's enjoyable um, as much as it can be kind of demanding too but uh, you know I, I really enjoy writing and uh, you know I've tried to uh, tried to do a few other things too I've managed to get on the radio a few times um, you know doing Wolves broadcast things like that uh, uh, a couple times in the past you know done a couple TV spots and things and th those are really kind of fun things to do that sort of branch yeah. off from, from what I'm doing at the paper but uh, you know, it's it's um it's it's work that I hope to be doing for uh, you know for the foreseeable future anyway. Awesome, good to hear. And uh, we're gonna move on to Tommy's gonna get into the fast five questions presented by Silver Cross, Sudbury, Dean and Chantal, Jacqueline out there. So Tom, give it a give it a go. So yeah, we're just gonna I'm just gonna throw five questions at you, Ben, and you're just gonna give us a quick answer for them. So okay, the first one is first notable interview. First notable interview. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a tough one. Jeez, I'm trying to think back. Um, you can say me, it's okay. 
<laughs> well, you'd be up there for sure. But, uh, you know, because <laughs> I'm trying to think back far enough, boy, um, you know, I, I, I imagine, you know, there was probably a couple, you know, you know, you know, fairly, uh, you know, f- fairly high profile people I, I did pretty early. I do remember one that jumps to mind is doing the old, uh, you know, the Caruso, uh, uh, the, the bank, the House of Kin uh, Sports Awards uh, the Caruso club when I was still like really new in school. And I believe, uh, I interviewed Jeffrey Buttle, uh, cause he won an award there. So, you know, that he was already a pretty high profile guy at that point. So that cool. was, that was, that's maybe one that jumps out and, you know, and there's been, you know, uh, obviously some former NHL guys or current guys over the years too, but that's, that's one that probably jumps out as being pretty early. Cool. Cool. Uh, the next one is a uh, dream sit down interview. Dream sit down interview. Hmm. Boy. Favorite person comes to mind or. Well, you know, I guess going back to my, uh, you know, if I could put the, you know, the sports fan hat on for a bit, especially since he's a guy that doesn't really open up a ton would be, uh, you know, when I was a kid uh, as a hockey fan growing up, I actually loved Steve Eiserman, just like my favorite hockey player. Love and, that. Uh, that's that's why I still kind of, still uh, kind of root for the the wings uh, to the to this day. So I, I just think he'd be an interesting guy to uh, to have a chat with. So uh, especially sure. since, like I said, he's not a guy who tends to like put a ton of himself out there. Uh, you know, in terms of his, you know, the personal side. So that that might be interesting to do. Stevie, I love it. Yes, love it. Uh, favorite Sudbury restaurant. Oh, geez, that's a tough one too. <laughs> favorite Sudbury restaurant. I know these are supposed to be a bit quicker, aren't they? Um, <laughs> no, this is good. It's making yeah. me think it's good. Boy, oh boy. You know, a place I kind of miss, because um, it, it hasn't been open for a while, I think even before the pandemic, that I used to like going to was uh, that uh, place downtown uh, called the uh, the Hourglass, because my, my wife and I used to go there uh, sometimes when uh, we first moved to Sudbury and things, and, uh, you know, always liked their menu and stuff, and... Uh, was a good place to go to like maybe before a game or something like that right, as well. Right. So I kind of missed that place. Bit, you know, I'd like to see them open again. I don't know what their plans are, but uh, I know. Yeah. It's a cool spot. Yeah. Um, and I got two more here. So favorite teacher. I don't know if you favorite had teacher. one in particular, but oh, that's a little bit tough too, but there was a guy that uh, certainly had a big impact on me in high school. Um, um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Waples, my history teacher, he, uh, he, he really kind of made me, uh, and that kind of, I think, was where some of my interest in writing came from, even though it was, it was history, I guess. I, I uh, really sort of got, he did a great job sort of teaching that class and, you know, kind of made me passionate about it. So it was probably my favorite subject in high school and something I actually thought I might even take post-secondary for a while. But I, I think that just got me interested in reading about history and sort of mm-hmm. maybe influenced me as a writer a little bit. And then, uh, like on the post-secondary side, I mentioned... Uh, I know I'm supposed to pick one, but I, I mentioned Bill Rodunsky earlier, who uh, who was our coordinator at Cambrian, and uh, you know he was a great prof there. So I got a shout out to him as well, I guess. Awesome. Cool. And then just one more question. Obviously, none of us are going anywhere anytime soon because of COVID reasons. But uh, in the near near future, what is maybe a dream trip destination for you, Ben? If you uh, like to travel or want to go somewhere in particular? Or? Actually, I always wanted to go to. Uh, I, well, I went to, I did go to Greece briefly when I was uh, traveling in Europe, but my wife and I, that was our original, we were originally going to go to San right. for our honeymoon. And then the, this change over to the, to the, from the Suda Sudbury kind of messed up that trip. So we ended up going to Mexico, which was great, but uh, we, we always talk about wanting to go back there someday. So uh, that, that would be probably uh, up there on the list for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Maybe uh, 
again, once this podcast takes off, we can uh, take our private jet over there and we can, I can treat you to the motherland. <laughs> and, uh, there you go. Yeah. Can, answered, can, yeah. If anyone's going to show me around there, you'd be the, you'd be the guy to do that. So <laughs> for sure. We can stay, we can stay at my grandma's house and eat, and just eat tons of food. So it'll be nice. good. <laughs> and, then, and then we can go over the pond. We can go to Italy. I got a bunch of family there too. <laughs> Perfect. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Awesome. It's a Mediterranean trip now. That's, awesome. <laughs> That's right. Oh yeah. Awesome. Um, well, you know what, Ben, thank you for investing your time with us. Uh, we really appreciate that. Um, and we're going to wrap it up now. So again, one, thank you for putting that story out on us. We really appreciate it. And two, thank you for coming on and sharing your story. I think a lot of people are going to love this interview because uh, there's some great stories and some great content from it. So thank you. Well, thanks. I appreciate you guys making me sound interesting. So uh, it's, been, <laughs> it's been a pleasure for sure. Yeah, just for me, Ben, uh, I want to say thank you because obviously you're one of the best in the business in Sudbury here for sports writing. So it's uh, it's good to get you on and we're obviously going to have you on again sometime soon if you're willing to come back on because uh, what a successful career you've had so far. And I still think we've uh, we missed a little bit of questions that we want to get into. Sure. So maybe in the later later months or even into the new year, we can have you back on for sure. Well, thanks. That's re- really kind of you to say. And, you know, I want to compliment you guys on the, the job you're doing with this too. I mean, it's, uh, it's great to see the efforts you're taking to, you know, highlight people that are, you know, making, uh, you know, making their mark in Northern Ontario for sure. Awesome. Thanks, Thank Ben. You. Thank you, Ben. And that was the interview with Ben Elise and obviously some great stories. Great guy. Once again, thank you again for coming on. Ben, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll have you on uh, once again. Um, Tom, what was your favorite moment there from the, from the interview? Uh, favorite moment? Ooh, on the spot. Uh, shit. Probably the time when I was asking him about uh, when Muzzin and all those playoff runs. And I think my favorite question was when the Sioux played uh, Kitchener. I totally forgot Kadri was on Kitchener. Yeah. And that team was loaded. I think it was Kadri. Uh, Pete DeBoer was coaching. Right? Am I, am I right about that? Yeah. yeah. Pete DeBoer, from what I remember. Yeah, yeah, but th- that team was loaded, and it was just cool to see his perspective. Obviously, he wasn't a player on either team, but just uh, just to be watching those skill guys that are obviously very, very high up in the NHL right now. So, yeah, awesome interview. Um, I really liked uh, when we went through the Wolves heydays. Took me back to when I went to watch. Oh yeah, as a little kid. The, obviously, you've seen on our Insta. If you haven't checked it out, at BTB podcast double underscore he shared his story about Charlie Dodero and how he uh, threw his yeah. name in for for a shootout so it was a really cool story um and uh, yeah it was an awesome interview so again thanks again Ben once one for the article and then again for coming on and yeah, sharing the big, story. big uh, thanks for the article big I think uh, people are really gonna really like this one all right let's move on Tom let's talk world juniors a little bit i think i think we're going to do some type of preview uh right before it but i think uh to talk about it everyone's starting to get into the the bubble right now and um excited to see this uh team come to fruition i think it's gonna be one of the best world juniors we ever watched thoughts tom yeah so i forget the actual stat but when i was watching tsn the other day when they can announce their team i think 22 of the 24 people they took were first round picks so you can imagine this team is uh front loaded with uh all the best talent uh for this tournament i guess and obviously i'm excited to see what kirby doc does and obviously what quentin byfield does his uh his second year coming back and obviously being a younger age in the first tournament I'm, i think he's going to be doing big things for the team and just uh, I mentioned earlier in the episode, I got a new TV, so partially it was for the reason uh, 
to watch the World Juniors on a better quality TV. It's the best time, like you mentioned before, Al, um, watching these games over Christmas and over the holidays. Preferably Boxing Day is the, one of the greatest games we get to watch. Uh, it's like together, uh, right? another Christmas all over again on Boxing yeah. Day. Um, just to clarify, that's that 20 of the 22 skaters 20. on Team Canada's roster were first round. I said round. 22 to 24. I was, uh, you know what? It was the same. Percentages same range, are right. So. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's it's going to be a wicked world, Juniors. We're excited, and we just want to touch upon that, um, and we'll definitely talk a little bit more late, later as we get uh, close to it. Um, let's move on to another topic, Tom, real quick before we get into the instant Q&A. This is huge news. Um, another name change that we've seen uh, with Indigenous communities. Um, we saw Washington do it with the Washington football team. Now, after 105 years, the Cleveland Indians will no longer be the Cleveland Indians uh, from this date, December 13th, um, which that's when it came out. Obviously, it's not December 13th, but that's when it came out. So uh, the Indians are no more, and I think it's a, a change that needed to be made once again. You know, we got to adapt to when times are changing, and I think it's a right move for Cleveland. Thoughts on yeah, I think uh, they're going to be announcing like this week. I'm surprised we didn't get it today because it said early, earlier, early, early in the week anyway. Mm-hmm. So probably Monday, Tuesday, we were to find out the name. I'm not really sure uh, what they're going to switch to. And I couldn't really find much what the what the rumors are. Um, I don't know if you heard anything about what they're going to change it to. Nothing. Uh, all weird, I know eh? is I that know. They, they, in their statement, they said that it's not going to be um, something towards Indigenous uh, communities, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's what they're doing. So um, I think it's uh, it's gonna be cool to see what what they uh, rename themselves. And I think you know it's right for sports. Like I said, right. you got to adapt agree. with the times, uh, yeah. make the right changes, and uh, and uh, we'll move on from there. Uh, so congrats to Cleveland on making a good move, and excited to see what the rebrand looks like, Tom. Before we get into the Q and A, I just have a few more points. I'll, I don't know if you had these topics down, but so obviously tomorrow we'll be, we'll be releasing on the fifteenth, uh, just for the upcoming weeks, just for our guest, and then the twenty second. Obviously, we have another uh, person coming on that joined us for an interview. Along, so we'll be releasing fifteen, the fifteenth and the twenty second of December, along with the 29th as well. We'll that episode will be with no guests just for a little heads up and we're sorry to be doing me and Alex and Mason. We're going to break down Do a little all the recent, uh, yeah, all the sort of like year end review of all the major, um, storylines. Yeah. Storylines, professional leagues that won championships over the years and over the year, sorry. And just, uh, sort of like a year breakdown. And then obviously we're to take, uh, couple of days off into the new year and then obviously release on the fifth as well. So we're not taking any, any Tuesday off. Um, over Christmas and the new year, just for a little heads up. And I noticed something different on your face, Al. I guess we got to let the listeners know that we sh- we finally shaved the mustaches. Yeah, it had to be done, ladies and gents. I, I couldn't take it anymore. The stash was uh, was starting to bug me a little bit, and I couldn't get the middle lip going. So it kind of started looking a little more ridiculous as it kept growing. So uh, that's gone. M- maybe we'll grow it again. We'll see. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, clean shaven is uh, you can't you can't uh, lose with being clean shaven. I think. Yeah, you look cute. You look cute. You look like you're 13 again. Thanks. And uh, one more thing before I guess the Q and A. I'm just buzzing Monday. It's just buzzing. The yeah. Pleady, Pleady interview we had last week. We're getting a lot of love on that. Very successful. Yeah, it was a really good uh, pod. Great stories. I think he had some. Uh, Good quotes uh, from there. Um, if you didn't know that quote that he said about, you know, if you uh, want to make everyone happy, you shouldn't go on a coach and you should be selling ice cream. Actually, a rendition of a Steve Jobs quote. So 
Uh, Steve Jobs said something similar about the industry there, so I thought that was hilarious um, that Pleaty uh, had that in there. So I thought, and uh, shout out to, uh, to him for that. It was a hilarious um, interview and a, and a hilarious quote. So uh, let's move on. Let's go to the Q&A. Here we go. Insta Q&A sponsored by Mayhew Performance, suiting up the boys once again. And the first question is going to go, this one was long overdue. I totally forgot about it. Uh, Nate Murphy, Nate Murphy from Ottawa um, had texted me about this one and I totally forgot about it. So apologies, buddy. I made sure to get it in uh, episode eight here. So, and he writes, this is uh, in the message. Question was too long for the Q&A, so I'll send it in here. What's the go-to order? At the Lux, at the Lux, he came in came in as a tourist last year and was absolutely crucified for getting a hamburger and not using the special sauce for the fries. So I uh, I uh, responded said I love it. We're gonna get that on the pod. And he said just makes no sense. Who goes for chicken on a bun at a place called the Lux Hamburgers? Tom, what's your go-to order? Oh, I, like that place. I haven't been there in a while, but that place is just deadly. Uh, okay, this is my order. I get chicken on the bun dinner. Obviously, yep. fries. I get double sauce, no coleslaw. Okay, double <laughs> sauce. Oh, you obviously get the you got sauce and the chicken on the bun, but you got an extra sauce to dip it in, and then the other container of sauce you put on your fries after. And then to drink, I get a small vanilla shake. The, the shakes there are just really yeah, gross. you can't beat it. So that is my order. I like. I've tried the just uh, a burger with cheese, but it, uh, it's obviously good, but it's not. It's not the chicken on the bun. Like you have to go there and get the chicken on the bun. Yeah, if, uh, it, I would say if you're a tourist, you definitely go to Lux and get chicken on a bun. No, no debate, no debate it's on that. So good. That sauce is just you can drink that, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's it's really <laughs> good. Uh, it's 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 unreal. Uh, I actually think I've seen you with a straw in there before. Yeah, just, okay, Tom. <laughs> just I think I think that's uh, you. I think that's you what you were talking Maybe. about. Um, but so. yeah, my go-to order uh, really does. I, I kind of change it up. Don't really have a go-to order, but uh, everything's good there at the Lux. Um, you don't have a go-to order there? No, I, I usually me. I'll I, usually if I'm going there, I'll go for chicken fingers. I like the chicken fingers there. That's, okay, that's you got the chicken on the bun there. And obviously, just, use the sauce for that too. Yeah, okay, good, good. But uh, yeah, let's uh, let's move on. Nate, sorry again, bud, but we got the question in. Um, now we'll go to um, Massimo Chimino. We'll go and we'll keep it on the food section here. Massimo Chimino uh, said, what is your favorite meal from the ID BBQ? Another great topic. Another great question. Send it over oh, to Tom. Can you answer first? I got to yeah. think about this one. Okay. okay. It changes. It varies. Depends on, yeah, you know, mind changes how, how it's going, but the go-to, the go-to, when you made the turn at the Idlewild, and um, a lot of boys can attest to this, was you get the chicken, the chicken sandwich. You couldn't beat it. Oh, and they yeah, had this like chipotle sauce on it. You couldn't beat it. But you, nine times out of ten, you'd probably dunk your ball in the water on ten after hammering a <laughs> uh, uh, chicken sandwich from the ID barbecue. So okay. unreal. Um, Love that one. Tom? Okay. This is actually a funny story. So I'm going to go with the chicken as well. Okay, but the pulled pork is obviously very good. And the third option is the hot dog. I'm going to go with the chicken as, as well. But a funny story, a little side note here, is I still remember the ra- round we played last summer together, and I ordered a hot dog. It was before the round, not after the turn, so I got it before the round. Yeah. And I think we got there a little bit earlier, and uh, this thing that everybody that golfs there knows, the, the fucking hot dog is huge. It's like 
you have like three, four bytes and you're almost basically full. So I think I had about two or three bytes in and uh, it barely looked like I did any damage to it. And um, I'm starting to feel like a little full because I guess I drank my I drank my whole water before and I was on the driving range. So I was like, you know what? I, I'm, I don't want to eat anymore because uh, I'm not gonna be able to swing a club. So I'm like, uh al just you know what have a couple bites and i'll finish the rest off like i don't know one whole seven or eight and uh i gave it to you and (laughs) i finished on the range and i was like where's my hot dog (laughs) like i just want to put it in the cart or whatever just to save it because i know i'm gonna get hungry seven eight holes in just to finish it off and you go i'll eat it all well okay okay let's let's address finished it i did not say but you shared it. it you also shared it with alex folk yeah, he had a couple That's of how bites. big the hot dog was. You, you I wanted you to have a bite. Yeah, I wanted you to have a bite, and you ended up finishing well, it. Well, I, I, you told me to have it. So when you say Anyways, have it, Anyways, we're doing the Q&A. We're not arguing, okay? <laughs> Just a little story. It was hilarious. Everybody in our group can, knows that. You can ask Brett Jacqueline. He knows <laughs> that. Okay? You ate the oh, rest I of the hot was, dog. Yeah. But no, another good question. The food there is just unreal. Yeah, it's, it's pretty – the barbecue's uh, pretty good there, Daddy. Great question, Massimo. Thank you. Um, all right, let's send it over. Anthony Zilio wrote, favorite mini stick brand. Personally, he likes going with a nice Bauer no tape on the blade, Tom. <laughs> Bauer no tape on the blade. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same way. That is hilarious. As soon as you said mini stick, I was like, oh, yeah. You're buzzing. No yeah, no, that's good. I, I used I used to play goalie though. I loved mini stick goalie. Ah, uh, me too. Oh my god, I still remember when Optimus Rhymer there was the Leafs goalie, and I used to like play one v two against Pauline Themis, my dad and my brother, just for anybody that doesn't know them. Um, and I would purposely just cheat up a little bit so I can go uh, back door and try to rob my brother. But no, I usually played goalie. But if I was player, it was definitely Bauer with no tape. My favorite, and I used I, I was a goalie as well. I had a couple of nicknames. They called me Rory Crawford, or they called <laughs> me uh, the Panda because I was nimble like a panda. Uh, in that, um, my favorite stick was the Graph, the white Graph, no tape, no tape anywhere. Um, it, the only reason I liked it, it had a bigger blade and it was taller than everyone's stick. So that was <laughs> that was my favorite mini stick, <laughs> and uh, still is to this day. I wouldn't be able to play. Like, oh, my knees would just. Like, <laughs> there's no way I would be able to play right now. Oh, I know. Your, ba- oh, your back would be in shape. Oh, my back. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, I'm still working out ready, getting ready for this golf match. Love it. Football, Love so. it, Tom. Okay, yeah. next one. Thanks, Joe, for the question. Great, great question. Brad McKenzie writes, and this is a good one. Lots of people have had that one guy they hated lacing up against. Who was it for you? Mm. Well, it's funny because growing up, I hated – playing against Chris Clark but then in the later years we ended up being like best friends because we ended up playing our last four years together so from minor peewee to major bantam I did not like Chris Clark and I think he knows that I didn't like going in his corner because he's a little little pansy that just sticks in just he's just dirty but uh when he's on your team you love him but when you play against him uh you hate him he's one of those players so that's my answer just uh on the top of my head good question Brad I like that you it's a great question, Bradley. Uh, you get mad at everybody, so I like. I just want to hear this. One. You know me pretty well because my answer is going to be, you know, like I didn't really have one person I hated playing against everyone. What I will say, one person that I didn't like playing against, and 
Like I didn't really like playing against any of the Nickel City kids. Um, Brady Maltez. Brady Maltez mm-hmm. pissed me off one game. Actually, it was at tryouts for the, for our double A team. Um, I was going into the corner with him, and he absolutely just labeled me from behind. He knew it too. <laughs> he and you can ask Brady to this day. He'll say I labeled him. I felt so bad because he's such a nice guy, but I just labeled him from behind. So we got someone. Hey. No, we have to get him on, Captain. Yeah, Ray we do have to get him on. He's a but, funny fucking guy. Oh my god. He played the game hard. He he was good. Also, someone I didn't like playing against, and one of my good buddies. But for the one year I did not like playing against him at all was Kevin McClellan. He was oh. a pain in, pain in my ass every time we played. There was a big rivalry between our teams, um, and he knows he knows uh, he, he sticked me a couple times in the corner too. He'll he'll deny it, but he he knows exactly what happened. Um, yeah, Tom. Were you a yapper, Al? Like, like what pissed you off, like, from other players? Like, I know, obviously, I, I didn't like the dirty plays, like, behind the scenes. Like, Clarkie was good at, like, jabbing in the, like, the calves and, like, just little little yaps. Like, I didn't mind the chirping because, I, like, I like to chirp too. But, it, like, to some extent, obviously, you don't need to, like, do the typical, like, look at the scoreboard. Just obviously good chirps. But, like, what, what got you going? Yeah, the little shit, I think, uh, I didn't I didn't really like. And, and I really didn't like, like when they target like one of our weaker players, not weaker, but smaller yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I yeah. hated that. Um, a couple, you know, good times. Eric Rainville, remember this, uh, me and him went out with some guys in, in the penalty box. We yapped at each other for the whole two minutes. Uh, <laughs> um, I forget what, I think it was a big I, scrum in front. Um, I could but, see you in the box. You don't know who I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely, I'm a trustee. Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm starting a podcast in two years. Yeah, yeah. fuck with me. That's basically yeah, exactly. what you're saying. <laughs> no, I I didn't. Uh, it wasn't one person per se. I I just didn't really like playing against a, a lot of guys. Um, and obviously in the younger years, you know, I didn't like playing against Damien Giroux or or yeah, Damien Giroux, sorry, or Ethan broke your ankles. because we lose twenty nothing every. Um, but uh, waiting for my yeah, name so there. That, you didn't, again, you didn't, uh, you didn't mention my name in that list, but it's fine. Yeah, well, I didn't know who you were at the time. <laughs> there was only two big names every time we played them. Yeah, yeah. Um, next question. We'll go on to the next question. Brad McKenzie, thank you again for a great question. Great question, Brad. This is a good one uh, from Dale Vlad, and I will just eject myself out of the conversation here. His question is, who has the best hair on the pod? I'm going to step out, obviously. It's not me. Um, I, I am out. I'm out. It's got, for me, Tom, you have great hair. I love Thank your you. hair, but Mason Savage has some great locks right now. Great flow. So I'm yeah. going with Mason Savage. That's my favorite hair on the pod, Tom. Well, I'm not going to pick myself. I hope uh, I hope Mason ends up picking me. But, um, yeah, I used to have that Bieber flip back in the day, but then I, uh, I go shorter on the sides and longer on the top. I like my hair. Uh, but definitely, definitely Mason. Mason's flow is, like, just, just luscious, and he always has, like, a toucan when you see him. Besides on the golf course, you see him with a hat. But like now, obviously, since it's snowing and it's cold, uh, you see him with a nice toque, and obviously, you see the lettuce in the back. But yeah, just great hair, Mason. Obviously, uh, he looks a little bit like Dave Franco, as as we all know. So, <laughs> Mason's got my vote for uh, for best hair. I definitely thought it was gonna be a golf question when Dale stepped in there, but uh, Dale Dale has some great questions. Dale's uh, Dale's got some humor. I miss yeah. Dale. Hope, hope Dale's good. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the question, uh, Dale. Great, great question. Um, and uh, definitely Mason Savvy's got my my vote. 
All right, that's going to do it, Tom, for uh, Insta Q&A brought to you by Mayhew Performance for all your mining uh, and health needs uh, in the industry. Consult uh, with them when you need them. Um, all right, let's move on, Tom. Uh, let's wrap this baby up. I think it was a great episode. Um, bunch of stuff coming. Um, like you said, Tom, earlier, we are on spotify and apple Podcasts. you can check us out obviously you're listening on it right now um and you can also uh check us out on instagram like i said at btb podcast double underscore big stuff coming uh soon um we have uh, a bunch of great interviews to get to um and in the new year something big coming uh, as well so we're excited to get that out to you guys soon um, and, and like I mentioned, we are taking no days off over the holidays and Christmas because we want to keep on pumping content for you guys. Uh, so tomorrow, the 15th, we'll be releasing an episode as well as the 22nd and the 27th. So then obviously January 5th going into the new year, the week after. So we're not taking any, any Tuesdays off just for a little heads up for our listeners. And uh, yeah, enjoy your rest of your week, everybody. And we'll see you next Tuesday. Yeah, absolutely. Take care, everyone. That's going to do it for episode eight of Behind the Bench, brought to you by Silver Cross Sudbury. Thank you, and we'll see you soon.